0: Christians are supposed to be Christ like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Finding Freedom in God's Promises. And joining me from near Washington, D.C., in Virginia, is author Beth Gable Hicks. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: This is uh, not the first book you have penned. You have uh, other books in the same uh, field. What was it that motivated you to to share this particular topic in writing?
1: Well, it was sort of a life change. Um at 50 which was well three and a half years ago my husband passed away suddenly from cancer Hmm. Uh, we were told on a tuesday that he had stage four and by that sunday uh, christmas eve he passed away in my arms Wow! and it was very uh, life-changing obviously and very uh, i had to find a new purpose in a way i was a, a churchgoer my husband was catholic and um, he was ready to go. He didn't want to leave me, but he was comfortable with um, the next life, and so I had to decide what was next for me. I had been used to sort of taking care of him. Um, he had survived a heart attack the year before, and I suddenly had to come up with, what, what's my purpose in life? What do I do now? And I was between jobs and um, was sort of called to write this book. Um, the first one in particular, um, The Importance of Christian Friendships, before my husband passed away, he said, well, I know you're going to be just fine because you have wonderful family and wonderful Christian friends. Hmm. And I knew that was true, but I began to think about that after he passed away. And I thought, well, what makes that? What makes Christian friendships different? What does the Bible say about friendships? Uh, how are we supposed to be towards one another? Right. And it's not that any of us are perfect, uh, Christian or otherwise. And uh, but at least the Bible gives us some instructions about uh, through the way Jesus lived his life and what he instructed others um, in well, forgiveness and understanding, and compassion, and um, not condoning others or judging others. Uh, many of those things that come out uh, in the Bible are good Christian traits that, as uh, Christian friends, we can look to. So
0: absolutely. I found
1: strength and courage from writing the first book and looking into christian friendships and now the second book i've taken that uh, strength uh, a little bit further and finding strength and um, confidence and comfort in uh, god's promises i began to think uh, after the first book uh, well gosh a lot of promises in the bible that god's made what would life be like if we really believed those promises and if we really lived according to that and it, it can be quite life changing, and it was quite freeing. Well, ha- a lot of people think of religion as being restrictive. Absolutely. Um- it became quite freeing to to think in those terms. So that's what my second book is about.
0: <laughs> now you you have uh, have taken a a negative situation that uh, hit your life, but relied on your faith. Some people take the opposite direction. Your book, Finding Freedom in God's Promises, I've uh, read through it uh, briefly and uh, am finding it is a very positive book. You have a positive outlook on all phases of your faith. Uh, is was that something that was difficult for you to come to grips with, or was it something that was just inbred in your faith?
1: Well, I think it came from my faith um, growing up in the church, but um, it's hard sometimes to find. I just feel really blessed that when my husband did pass away that I suddenly had from God a sense of peace, a sense of strength, and a sense of purpose. And it it doesn't necessarily happen in the same way for everyone, but but I like to share my story of how it happened for me. And it was a change in that before then, a lot of what I did career-wise and so forth, and I had political positions here in Washington, D.C. as a political appointee, and enjoyed that life and and had a great life. Um, But after my husband passed away, I thought, well, whatever I do next should be even more in accordance with what God wants me to do from here on out. And so I feel very grateful and fortunate um, and thankful that uh, I was given that purpose.
0: You have, yes, you have twenty about 20 chapters, and some of the chapters, just for my listeners so they'll get an idea of, of uh, the approach of the book, uh, chapter 1 is Letting God Be the Judge, and then the second one, chapter 2, is Relying on God's Presence. Uh, Accepting God's mercy, trusting God to fulfill our needs, those types of uh, chapter headings, uh, getting our strength from Christ, relying on God to overcome temptation. Uh, You also have one that I'm sure was a, a very personal chapter for you, Leaning on Christ for Sustenance and Rest. And uh, one thing that also caught my attention was there's hope for the future. You have in chapter 19, anticipating the second coming. Now, there are some people in the church world or in the religious world that don't believe that's going to happen ever. And yet uh, that's one of the uh, highlights of of many evangelicals who believe in Scripture and are anticipating the future. Uh, This is another part of your positive message, is it not?
1: Yes, it is. And uh, for that last part, you know, Jesus promised that there are many rooms. Um, if there weren't, I wouldn't be saying so. Um, I'm paraphrasing that, obviously. But uh, that, in a nutshell, uh, gives you hope that uh, there is another um, world to come. And there's so many, based on that, there's so many freedoms um that we can find now, and you mentioned one was freedom of condemnation, right, so many of us think that Christ came to condemn us, um, but to quote one scripture john four seventeen it says, "For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, so yeah. by repenting by accepting his mercy we 're free from that condemnation. Uh, and it's, it's something that gets lost in our everyday world so often.
0: Absolutely. And I uh, think
1: it's because Christ, you know, we let Christians maybe condemn one another and condemn us uh, when we should be following Christ and looking to
0: him. Well, good advice. You you are involved in church ministry in your local congregation, and uh, in chapter one, one of the things that I noted about the way you have written this book, and uh, I, I'm guessing it was purposeful, uh, you have it broken into subheadings. Uh, the first chapter says, let God be the judge is the first section of that, and then you discuss the uh, nature of anger, taking a, a uh, scriptural Approach from there. God is supreme. Is another part of that. God is sufficient, and God will judge us all. There, there are subheadings in here, sub chapters. Would you refer to your book maybe as a devotional, or would you call it a study guide? How would you describe it?
1: Well, it, it can be a devotional for an individual. Uh, just to sort of read through and absorb bit by bit. Um, I also find uh, this book and my first book to be good for Bible study groups, and a lot of study groups are finding that to be the case, especially in the second book. At the end, there is an appendix with some study questions. But I think each topic uh, does lead to conversation, and I feel comfortable with each chapter because I I keep going back to the Scriptures (laughs) to remain grounded in those Scriptures. But it certainly is room for discussion and uh, biblical study, so I certainly encourage groups to... To take either of the books and look at them.
0: Yes, and although you are not an ordained minister in the typical sense of the word, this book comes across as though you are in ministry f- specifically because of the style of the book. Uh, and again, those uh, sub-chapters or subheadings in the chapters, uh, from my perspective, would make great talking points for a pastor, perhaps.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to think so. And, you know, I'm called more to either write or or talk to smaller groups, and I'm always happy to do that, um, about these subjects. Um, I go to a number of Christian conferences throughout the year uh, doing just that. So it's it's really a a wonderful time to hear from other people, and they bring up questions. Um, In the book on friendship, one person tell me well i've tried all these things um uh, with this other person and they still won't <laughs> respond uh in friendship right. and then you i sort of responded that you have to take a step back and um you know try again at a later date but um sometimes uh you have to take a step back, in the friendship is, is the way to do it. But, right. Um, Beth, in how, any case, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, I'm very happy to talk about these issues, and uh, they are fruitful discussion, I believe.
0: Beth, how long did it take to complete Finding Freedom in God's Promises? This is, again, about 124 pages, so it's not a long read, but there is a lot of depth in what you have shared.
1: Um, probably about a year and a half. Um, I'm fortunate, uh, I think, in my church to have received um, good pastoral training and good preaching in a very practical way, and that's why I've stuck with my church, because it's uh, been a good one for me. Mm -hmm. And so I feel between that and the Bible and study guides, and and now with my uh, seminary studies, um, taking classes at Liberty University online, uh, that that's uh, giving some more strength and credence um, and value to what I'm doing. writing and saying
0: what are your hopes with this book what, what what do you if you were to describe the the perfect audience for this is this a book that will appeal primarily I'm guessing for those who are believers but uh, is there also something there that might uh, entice others to read
1: I, I certainly would hope that it would appeal to um, to non-christians as well as they, they search for the truth I myself you know, have been targeting on you know, study groups and individuals who would normally um, be looking for a Christian book to strengthen their own faith. Um, but certainly, I'd like to reach this out to others. And in the case of, of this book, I certainly want it to reach those that that need to be reading this and that could benefit from it, could find strength and comfort.
0: Well, tell tell it, tell, is tell is my really the, tell my listeners the the story about uh, the uh, taxi driver and the pastor who uh, make it to heaven.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, the um, it, it turns out they both get to heaven, and uh, the pastor's uh, sort of concerned why he's not led in right away by St. Peter. Um, and then the uh, uh, taxi driver's led in has a much better uh, location than home up there, and that's because they're told that uh, whenever the taxi driver drove, that people were praying, <laughs> and, <laughs> and whenever <laughs> the minister was speaking, than people who were falling asleep <laughs> in the aisles. So. I've,
0: I've been in a few of those services, personally. I mean, it's, That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a great. You, you've included humor in here, plus, uh, I think, wonderful insight. Uh, Beth, we live in a self-centered world where the uh, get-and-not-give is a, is a standard for most people in entertainment and also in life. What do you do to address that, and, and do you address that in your book?
1: Well, there is one chapter on freedom from debt, Um, and it really discusses how we can find freedom from debt by being a faithful steward. Um, Those of you that have been to church at all might often feel that the church is doing nothing but asking for money. But really being a faithful steward means not just our money, but also our time, and using both wisely. Um, I think we we all know that we can't really always trust in our riches. Uh, We should give with an open heart that is focused on heaven. Uh, You're usually reminded in church that you can't outgive God, and that's certainly true. Mm. But there are just so many different ways to give of your time and money. Um, There's the story in Matthew 25, 14 through 28, uh, the story of the talents, where you had a master of three servants, and he entrusted his property to them before embarking on a journey. When he returned, he found that the servants to whom he'd entrusted five talents and two talents had both doubled the amount, but the servant who had been given one talent had hidden that talent in the ground where it earned no interest. Uh, So that that whole lesson, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with, that story reminds us that only who have been good and faithful servants were rewarded. And no matter what our gifts are, um, whatever time or money that we do have, whatever gifts from God were given, that we're called to give those back. And by practicing that sort of heart of a faithful steward. We can find freedom from debt um, by avoiding spending money on certain things, but also spending our time wisely.
0: Yes, there's some practical application there, and I have some minister friends who emphasize the importance of impacting our world in a positive way.
1: Yeah, and it it really not only goes into debt, but also just reminds us of of where our treasure is and frees us from a lot of the concerns and worries, um, freedom from want. Um, we can trust God to fulfill our needs. Um, Remember Paul writing in Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So taking the debt question even a little further, it just shows us um, that is where our heart should be and the secret Um, is to live in gratitude um, by remembering Christ and focusing on that and thanksgiving, uh, learning to desire what God desires. As they always say, our wants are many, but our needs are few. And again, it's just turning our focus back to, to God.
0: Great advice. It's an easy read in many respects, but it also is well thought out and well well researched. And again, for those who might have a Bible study group or a Sunday school class or even pastoral work, the book really might give you enough messages to preach for uh, six months to a year. I mean, there's just some great content in here, and yet it's not difficult to read. What do you think is the best way to describe this book? Have I described it properly, or is there something more that you'd like to share?
1: I think you have. Uh, Certainly my objective is uh, for people who read it to find strength and comfort. And if they're in a transition in their life or just seeking some answers or or feeling constrained by their own church um, that maybe is not as fulfilling as they would like it to be, um, by reading this book, I think it can help them. Understand that not all Christians are perfect, um, but that Christianity itself can really be freeing and uh, give you a lot of strength and comfort. This
0: is a transdenominational book. It doesn't really uh, have a specific doctrinal stance, I think, that would be out of the norm. It's, it's very middle of the road. Wonderfully done. Again, the title is Finding Freedom in God's Promises. Uh, This is a book that would be an easy read and a great addition to anyone's library. My author, Beth Gable Hicks. Beth, where do my listeners get copies of this book?
1: Well, they can go to com, but probably the most uh, comfortable way would be to go to Amazon and uh, either search for it by title, Finding Freedom in God's Promises, or just searching by my name, Beth Gable Hicks, and they'll find it.
0: Wonderful. And Gable spelled G-A-B-L-E, just like uh, Clark. And uh, Hicks is (laughs) H-I-C-K-S. Beth, this has been a wonderful experience visiting with you about your book. Again, the title is Finding Freedom in God's Promises, a great devotional book, great study book, or a great resource for anyone that uh, wants to learn about faith and the promises of God. Thank you for sharing that with us today.
1: Thank you, and God bless.
0: My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts back in a moment. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
2: The National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute defines high cholesterol as a condition in which you have too much cholesterol in your blood. By itself, the condition usually has no signs or symptoms. People who have high blood cholesterol have a greater chance of getting coronary artery disease. According to the American Heart Association, more than 120 million Americans over the age of 20 have cholesterol counts that are above a healthy level. Harvard Medical School says that the good news is that cholesterol levels can be controlled and just by lowering your total cholesterol 10%, you can decrease your heart attack risk by 20 to 30%. Making changes in your eating is important, but including daily exercise is a must. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
0: Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host. Greetings for Author House. This is J. Douglas Barker. Today we get to talk about an inspirational book that's been penned by author Michelle Brown, who joins me from Alabama in the southern part of the United States. The title of the book is Autumn and Winter, subtitled Seasoned by God. Michelle, thank you for joining me today on the program.
3: Thank
0: you, Jerry. Well, thank you for joining me. I look at uh, some of the information about you as a, a as an author, and it says that you are also Native American, and uh, that means that you have been here, at least your family and your history has been a part of the United States for a number of years, uh, way beyond the founding, perhaps way, way back, and, and yet you're in Alabama and talking about autumn and winter, winter in particular, where you uh, mentioned a lot of snow and and, and those Types of things. Uh, have you always lived in Alabama?
3: Yes, I have. I've lived here for the past 50 years.
0: 50 years. This book is a collection of poetry, of uh, inspirational thought. How long did it take you to put these 100 or so poems together?
3: Oh, I've been working on it for maybe a year or two, and I finally got to get 50 of them, about 50 poems together to publish in a book.
0: And have you been writing all of your life, or is this something that's a a recent addition to your efforts?
3: Um, I've actually, I haven't been writing all my life, but the poem Best Friend was published in three poetry books, and so... After I published it, I read other books that were of nature poetry that I liked, and decided I wanted to write one.
0: This is, again, uh, inspirational in its intent. It's not necessarily a religious book in the the common sense of the word, but it is inspirational. You have it uh, subtitled, Seasoned by God. Where did your inspiration come from besides nature?
3: Well, my, my inspiration and motivation also come from God. He, he saved my life three times, and so I just felt like I wanted to include him in my poetry because I loved him for saving my life three times.
0: Was that a physical uh, saving and salvation uh, that, that uh, occurred in your life, or how did that come about?
3: Well, I was 15 years old, and also I was in a car accident. And so he saved my life through that. And then the other two ways were a tornado. They touched down close to where I lived, and the tornado could have got me, but it didn't. So he just really watched over me through that
0: your your purpose in life then is uh, to honor him in your poetry obviously from what you have just described you have uh, focused on autumn and winter seasoned by god uh you live in alabama there's not a lot of snow there but many of your poetry pieces deal with snow and colder weather uh, how did you have the uh the foresight or the the inspiration to to deal with that particular t- subject matter
3: well the what little bit that the snow come, there was a March snowstorm in, in 1993 that hit here in Alabama. Hmm. And that snow piled as much as 12 inches to 20 inches high wow. from the ground up. And it was just caped all over the tree branches. And so I decided to remember it and write about it and include that in.
0: Uh, one of your poems that you have uh, pointed me toward is is titled Winter, Spring, Snow. Uh, would you like to share that, or would you like me to read that?
3: I'll, I'll let you read it.
0: Well, you're kind to let me do so, and hopefully I won't mess it up. Uh, the title of the, of the poem, again, and the observation, this inspiration is titled Winter, Spring, Snow, and it's written as such. The winter, spring, snow, hugely God-breathed, laying on the ground, for he had bequeathed. It was piled twelve or more inches in height over the heart of Dixie in broadest daylight, which was the result of a March snowstorm just lays on the ground in a soft, plush form. White snow is all caked on the tree branches, piled in front of mountain like an avalanche from a far-distant mountains, look all white, so wonderfully beautiful, into an earth's light, Winter-spring snow lays all over the rooftops. Of them, houses, storage buildings, and car tops, covering all driveways and navy blue streets, plus the anterior yards and light blue streets. Then birds are in hiding until all snow melts, falling off the branches within southern belt. The dyed-out flowers growing back in season, with all warm temperatures to be their reason. When snow's leaving and cold becomes cool, winter spring snow will no longer be in rule. Michelle, beautiful description of what took place as you described it uh, just before I began reading the poem. There is an abundance of poems in these two seasons, autumn and winter. Was it difficult to come up with inspiration for those?
3: No, sir. I just... Used to my brain, you'd say, and just kind of remember and think how the weather is here, and
0: I, that's how I wrote it. Have you always wanted to be a poet and share your inspiration?
3: I have for the past few years. Just had this dream of wanting to write a poetry book and and just nature poetry and include art in it, and he's been my motivation to want to do that and as well as the nature and including animals in also helps it to helps I would season the poetry using animals and and God, and my black and white dog named Murphon.
2: Hmm. He's
3: included in Autumn Days. I don't put his name in the poem but saying a small black and white dog, and I'm thinking of Muffin and how I still miss him because he died when I was 20 years old. And so st- i just missed
0: him. Your Native American heritage, did that play any role in the observations that you were able to make in your book?
3: The say that again, sir, Native.
0: Y- y- yes, your your heritage, you have, uh, because you are Native American in your heritage, did that have any influence on the way that you have approached your view of nature and, and your poetry?
3: Yes, sir. Yeah, just living in the South and the warm weather that's here, that, that's, and of course, I am having an extra book I plan to write about called Spring and Summer Seasons by God. That's my next book. So the warm way that I'll be in it. That, um,
0: <laughs> yes, I, I was I was wondering whether you would address that maybe in the next book. Well you'll be out of seasons at that point. You you'll need to maybe do one that includes all four seasons of the year as your as your uh, follow up book to that one perhaps.
3: Yes, sir. That, or I possibly was thinking of a poetry devotional book, 365 poems, one for each day of the year. That can be number three book.
0: I like that idea. I I think there would be a wonderful market for that. There are many of us who... Who uh, in, engage in devotional times or time? I, many refer to it as a quiet time each day, where they get their thoughts kind of uh, focused on something that's important. And in this case, uh, a relationship with God. And this would be a, uh, I think, a well-received book. I like that idea.
3: Thank you. Yes, I, I like the idea
0: too. Have you begun writing? Have you begun writing that? Book yet
3: the which one the second book S-
0: second or, well the second one I think you've started, but the third one have you have you been able to devote any time to to writing that book on the devotional side
3: not, not yet, I haven't started on that one just yet, but I was thinking I possibly if I decide that might be the second book instead of spring and summer and I may decide to do that one second.
0: Does it, ta- a does it, take, does it take a long time to, to compose your thoughts and to put them into poetry form? You have, uh, again, probably close to 100 poems in this book. How long does it take to complete a book, or did it take?
3: Well, to write a poem, it, when I'm trying to word it and get it perfect, and even the sentences, making even sentences, I would say it can take me three hours or five hours to work on one to make it perfect.
0: Beautiful. Michelle, another poem that you wanted me to share is one that is titled Winter Snow in the South. It reads like this. When God compels winter at his will, sometimes snow topples upon a hill. Scarcely ever falls in the deep south, it solely falls by the father's mouth. Sometimes twill lay for a long while, so all of them southerners will smile. Sometimes it's only here a short time, to melt on off by the afternoon time. How pleasant it is when it does stay, and eating snow cream day after day. Children, playing plus having some fun, making snowman and snowwoman. Dressing them in buttons, scarves, hats, give them both a loving little old pat, thinking they're your dear good friend before winter comes close to an end. Here within this deep, booming south, singly a-melting by the Father's mouth, is the winter snow at God's own will that the cold interval inclinedly fulfills. You have completed this and are definitely inspired to continue in your writing career. Where can my listeners get a copy of Autumn and Winter, subtitled Seasoned by God?
3: Okay, um, there's Amazon.com, there's Barnes & Noble, of course, authorhouse.com, there's also the website michellebrown.com.
0: Excellent, and let
3: me
0: me spell your name for the uh, listeners, M-E-S-H-E-L-L-E, Brown, B-R-O-W-N.
3: Yes, sir, that's correct. The um, digital downloads, if you have an e-reader, people can go to Kindle and, and get a digital download, and it's in print. Hardcover book and softcover book. Audio, I'm not sure about just yet. All right, Michelle. I need to talk with Arthur Hess about that
0: one. Very good. Michelle, thank you for joining me today. Again, the title of the book is Autumn and Winter, Seasoned by God. My author, Michelle Brown, who has joined me from Alabama in the United States of America. Thank you, Michelle, for joining me. And hopefully we'll get to talk again about your next release when it is available to the public. People, you can do a search online under her name if you choose. And your local bookseller can also order it in. Again, Michelle is spelled M-E-S-H-E-L-L-E. And uh, thank you, Michelle, for joining me today.
3: Thank you, and
0: you're welcome. For Author House and its inspirational division, this is J. Douglas Barker. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.